Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, where we uncover the stories that shaped the business owner. Brought to you by Lisa Settle and Isla O'Hara. Hello, and welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, part two, 2021 review. Happy New Year to you all. My name is Chris Pollard, and I'm joined by your usual hosts, Lisa Settle and Isla O'Hara. Hello, and welcome to you all. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Let's hope that this one's a much better one. Yes, I agree, Lisa, and we hope that uh, you all enjoyed uh, your Christmas. We recorded part one in December, and here we are at the start of 2022 with a review of part two. Isla, who are the storytellers that we're going to review today? We're going to be reviewing Benita Matoska's story, yours, Chris, and Karina Gertz, and the story told by Paul Cheese. And Lisa, what do you remember about the storytellers? Well, very fascinating, as usual, but Benita was talking about the sharing economy. Chris, you were talking about working with different cultures, um, working abroad, and Karina blew our minds with her, her newfound love of cold water swimming, and Paul equally blew our minds by telling us, and not only telling us, giving us examples of his journey with sounds. All right. such a treat, you know, another bunch of fascinating people. And I think if the previous uh, storytellers are anything to go by, then the storytellers we're going to review today are also going to be very interesting as well. So let's start with Benita. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to her speak and it really registered with me her generation share, the, the sharing economy. Um, she had a background in media and she was tired of life. And uh, she was asked to speak at an event where there were a host of celebs and one of those celebs just ha- happened to be Desmond Tutu, who I believe that uh, she met uh, later on uh, and had the opportunity to, uh, to to speak with him. But out of this, uh, Benita decided that uh, she wanted to develop uh, a social enterprise. Uh, she wanted to develop the, sh- the sharing economy. Um, and she she's written... Uh, this book with a, with another lady called Sophie Scheinwald, uh, a book, beautiful, big yellow book, which I recommend that uh, everyone buys because it, it's just there's just so much interesting information around generation share. And, and this generation share has gone globally because I know Benita has spoken about it globally. Um, and I think it's fair to say, um, Isla, mm. I'll come to you first, that yep. Benita is uh, what I would call a real change maker. She is really uh, developing, uh, uh, bringing to our notice the importance of building a sharing economy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she describes her book, Generation Share, as the world's first collection of impactful business models and change maker stories from around the world, transforming lives and the planet. And she talks in her story, there's a couple of key phrases that I remember is, you know, yes, she found herself in the green room before this presentation with Desmond Tutu. I mean, how just, how incredible is that? And she just says, I, I think it was at that moment, she said, I pledged to myself that the next thing I would do would be something that would impact on people and planet. And as she was trying to figure out how she was going to do that, 
the she describes sort of waking up and tossing and turning, waking up in the middle of the night with this idea in her head that's what's wrong with the world is that there is a shortage of sharing. And that if we all shared our resources, you know, we wouldn't need to, you know, all have everything. You know, we can, one of us could have something and share it. One of the stories in, in the book is, um, I think it's down in Devon, uh, the tool shed. You know, one one person in the village he that you know they have the all of the tools in the shed and if somebody wants a sander or a hedge cutter or a strimmer or whatever you can go and borrow it for the day and then return it at the end of the day yes I think how it's, sensible that is i agree and, I, and you you were talking about sharing resources and i think that's very prevalent at the moment because the rich nations in the world are not sharing as much covid vaccine uh with the poorer nations which we really need to do um benita talks, Lisa Benita talks about the characteristics of change makers, the importance of changing the narrative. She talks about five different areas, the first one being bravery, uh, traveling upstream because you are, you're going against uh, the, 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 the flow of the stream. Adaptability being number two. Number three, positivity, shining a spotlight on what is good. Number four, love. And number five, future facing, looking at it from the long term uh, and not short termism, which sadly is so prevalent in, in our lives. Yeah, I, I think that um, there were six um, characteristics, actually, I think that she, she identified there. Um, and I, I, my notes are telling me there were, as you say, bravery, adaptability, positive love, future facing. But the, the first one was sharing. Um, and I think that... Isla was saying about how she was tossing and turning. She decided to, you know, give up broadcasting. She no longer felt that she that was the place for her. And she was really concerned about the, the waste in the world, as Isla said, and, and basically came up with the, the question, how can I and how can everybody be more mindful and considerate of other people in the planet? That's just what it boils down to. And obviously we've been hearing more and more about that, but it, she just took that on as a, as a mission. And she said that the people that were, were able to do that were open to sharing. They, they were brave. They weren't concerned with, well, what if it doesn't happen? What if, you know, what if my idea doesn't work? How, how, how can I do that? You know, and lots of people, she, she, you're right, she she has talked about it globally because she's been everywhere with this idea and she has met people all over the world who are sharing despite the lack of resources, despite their situations where they might be, um, where they're oppressed and in, in dreadful situations, but despite that they have the bravery to carry on and they have to adapt so all the all the the characteristics that she identified all have something in common with these people that are open to sharing that are trying to make trying to make the world a better place. I think basically. you made a very valid point there. We made a number of valid points, but one of the points I picked up on was uh, that <clears throat> I have experienced as. Uh, as uh, your husband did in Romania, Isla, you've experienced, I've experienced in, in Romania as well, but in other countries, people who have less seem to be 
in my experience, more willing to share. And mm. I give an example of when uh, my wife and I spent a number of years between the UK and Turkey, and we lived in a small village high up in the mountains. And our neighbours had very little in those days. But within 24 hours, they were up there offering us some vegetables or some fruit. And of course, the relationship developed over the years with, with various mm. members of, of, of the village and, of course, of their family. But I think, is it? Do, do societies start off um, not having a lot and therefore people want to stay together, support each other, but then as the nation becomes wealthier, does do relationships start to fragment? And, and, and for an example, does sharing fragment and people just don't think about it? I think, I think that's, a, that's a big yeah, question, it's, it's isn't a, it? It is a big question and, and there's lots of different answers to that. But I, I, I think that kind of it boils down to that. I think that you, I have certainly seen people come into wealth and have become a little bit more um, closed, I suppose, um, and not as, you know, maybe not as charitable as they could be. And th I, I think that, that, and that's, I find that sometimes shocking, but that's just me looking, one person looking from one point of view. So you, I, you, you have to be careful what you say, I guess, but um, you're entitled I, I think, to your opinion. Yeah, you're entitled uh, to your opinion. Yeah. But I, I think that, I mean, you're absolutely right. Where It does seem that when you don't have much, you are willing to share what you do have. And the act of sharing is a lovely thing. Yeah, to, you know, and I think it is a natural mm. thing. I, I honestly do. So I think that the the materialistic side of things can take over and make you forget those natural instincts. Well, Benita's premise is that we all have an unlimited potential to share, mm. you know, that we can, you know, and it's such an inspiring episode in, in the sense that she says we can all do something, you know, yeah. from a big change to a small change. If we've got too many apples on our tree, we can give them away. It's something small or even just a smile to somebody on the street. Towards yeah, and then there's much, that whole thing about things. accepting as well, Ila. Do you remember we were talking about the, yeah. the acceptance that some people don't like to accept? They get, yeah. mm. they feel uncomfortable with that. And that's, no, that's, it's not about, it's not about you feeling uncomfortable and that it's, it's saying that you're attaching the stigma that you can't afford to do that for yourself or you're not able to do it. It's, it's a case of, you know, I've got too many apples on my tree and let's prevent waste. Yeah, that's it. You and know. I think we're all going to have to do more of this if we are going to try to fix our planet. I mean, we're recording this on the last day of COP26. So mm. I think it's all very much forefront of our, our minds at the moment. But the idea that we can all do something and that we should do something. Yes. Um, yes, I agree with you. I, I, I think it is about living abundantly. Um and it is not just about giving a lot. Sometimes it's just about giving time. Sometimes, it, it, and in effect, you're sharing your time with someone. Uh, it's not all. Uh, it's not always about giving something. And um, I, I hope, I really do hope that the 
sharing economy will grow and grow and grow. And maybe in generations to come, it will go full circle and it will become um, a part of everyday life, you know, as I say, in generations to come. Mm. Just just before we move on from Benita, she very kindly gave our listeners a discount code for the book Generation Share. And uh, this is available on the show notes. So if you go on to finding the episode on your preferred platform, which is episode 20, you need to order the book directly from the publishers and input the code at checkout. Yes, 50%. 50% off, yeah. 50%. And not only, you know, there's money goes to um to uh, a, a school yeah in Mumbai. yeah it, it educates 3,000 uh, her her aim is to educate 3,000 girls and save 3,000 trees I think yes. as well from that yeah that, yeah so definitely the book is a beautiful thing it is mm. it's it's a shame that you can't see it but it's it's a lovely big yellow book and it tells uh it's the photography is fantastic um Sophie was the photographer and yeah really really um inspiring yes I, I completely agree with you yes I do. And you inspiring. can just dip in mm. yes it's a di- it is a dip in and dip out yep, yeah you're absolutely right there yes I recommend so, that uh, everyone buys a copy of that I really do yeah. dive in and get yourself some sharing inspiration exactly and which uh, yes maybe it may lend itself to helping an organization you never know Mm. So then this brings me to September and a, a young man, I state that confidently, <laughs> Chris Pollard, who, um, whose Who's life he? changed and his, his life changed and his approach to people changed when he started working out, travelling and working out of the Far East. Lisa, would you like to? Yes. Know? Well, this all came about from the very first Business Diaries uh, live event where we had six storytellers that night. Um, That was the first and last time we had six because it was a little bit too much. Um, But Chris was included and Chris was, um, I think you were the last speaker of the day. And he told us a story about, the theme of that night was working away. So it it didn't have to be abroad. It It could have been anything. And all the stories, six stories were all completely different. So it, that that was really interesting. But Chris told us about his trips to the Far East and how he had to adapt. Um, there were two stories. It One was relating to basically eating live prawns. <laughs> <laughs> A kind of initiation, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. And And the other one was about one of the business colleagues take, or the same guy who put you through the the prawn eating saga, but he also took you um, across a very high bridge, rickety bridge, rope bridge, was it, Chris? That's right, Hualien National Park. Oh, yes, it was a rope bridge. So really put you out of your comfort zone. Um, So, I mean, it was a great story. It was funny. It was very entertaining. But the message was that, you know, you do have to adapt when you're in a, within a different culture. And although that guy may have been having a bit of fun with you and we all had a bit of fun with it because it was hilarious, 
um, the message still says, you know, you you can't you can't be a Brit and go off stamping your feet and you know demanding egg and chips when you're in the far east. You that have to true. adapt. But it's courtesy, isn't it? Isla, Absolutely. What, what did you take away from my story? <laughs> You're right. I'm just thinking about the, the egg and chips. Um, <laughs> I, I think, the, you know, there's some key messages and you also shared some very practical tips for people who are potentially going to be working away for the first time. And some of them that stood out for me is that, you know, it really pays to be curious, but deeper than that, to be interested in you know, the people that you're working with, you know, their lives, their cultures, have a, have an understanding, do that research before you go, you know, even if it's just simple as unknowing and understanding the dress code, being able to say thank you in the native language, these things make, make such a difference. Yeah, because you, yes, you, do, do. you do want to communicate, don't you? So that's a really massive thing to be mm. able to say hello and thank you and goodbye. Um, yeah. When I think about the amount of p- children that I w- was able to say hello to in Vietnam, you know, they loved it. If you if you came back, I probably said it in a ridiculous way and they, because they were all, you know, fall about in laughter and giggling and thinking it was hilarious. But it makes their day, you know, and just... It does. You're, you're you absolutely, should. You're absolutely right. I mean, one of... I, I, you were talking, Isla, there about thank yous and uh, uh, in... in Chinese, as you know, the least rich shishi. And, and in uh, Korean, it's Kansamida. And I always remember being invited by a senior of one of the major textile producers out there. I think he worked, I think it was Samsung, because believe it or not, they had a textile uh, section as well. They weren't all electronics in those days. It was 20 years ago. And I remember being invited to this, this man's house. So, of course, you go in and you Take your take your shoes off and and you walk around in bare feet. And I remember trying to sit down cross legged in the dining room, which was a little tad difficult for me. I wasn't that flexible, and um, just sitting on the floor. And his wife, because that was the culture, his wife would be bringing in the food. She wouldn't sit with us, mm. and when she would uh, when she would leave the room, she would leave the room walking backwards, and she would bow. Um, and I remember when we were leaving, the food was superb. If, we've never ha- if you ever have the opportunity to go to a traditional Korean restaurant, which does barbecues, there's a great one off, um, uh, off Carnaby Street. And for the life of me, I can't remember the name. Myongal. I highly recommend it. But when, we, when I was leaving, I turned to his wife and I stood with my hands together in front of me. And I, and I bowed very, very slightly and I said, can Samida to her? And the smile on her face and the smile on, on my friend's face as well. And you're absolutely right. I think it, it's a strange thing about some of the Brits, why they have this, this attitude of, well, we want egg and chips. We're not interested in, in, in what, you know, what, what, how you're eating. That's what we want. And I do think it comes back to a basic of, of when we're taught as children to be courteous and respectful of other people whether it's British people or other people in, in other countries. Yeah, uh, you've got to have a, a, an open mind, haven't you? And, yes. And empathy. And I think, yeah, yeah. And, just, and, the other and, point, and, and as you say, interest, Isla, 
Yeah. You said interest, you know, mm. you've got to be interested. Right, this is going to be different. It's not just the sights and sounds that are different and the weather, maybe, um, and the lack of egg and chips, but it's going to be different and I'm going to find out and embrace these differences. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And for me, the final lesson was, with the biggest lesson, and it really did change my life, was in order for me to be successful, because I was an agent, and I had to ensure that the textile supplier uh, was able to deliver what was required to the garment manufacturer, and the garment manufacturer paid. I learned, I was taught, and I learned very quickly to forget about my Western way and to understand the culture from a business perspective. How did I do business in Korea, which was similar to the Japanese, but the Japanese need you to become friends before they're doing business. And then the Taiwanese who were slightly more, slightly more Westernized because they dealt with America for a long time. And then the Chinese in those days who were really very closed and you could be in a meeting with a Chinaman and even now to this day, I don't know whether you've ever seen them on television, you see their deadpan face. There is no emotion given away. Um, and they don't. But I learned very quickly that I had to learn this. I had to understand why they're behaving and talking to me or writing to me in a certain way um, and to respect that and to respond accordingly. And never, ever shout. Never lose your temper when you're not getting your way. And that really taught me a huge lesson about listening to other people, to getting what I wanted to achieve first of all, just listen to other people and then work mm. from there and make sure it's a win-win. Mm. So, yeah, that was, yeah. Coming back to that word listen again, aren't we? It's, we've, we've had that all the way through. Yeah. Yes, you're absolutely yeah. right. So talking of listening, uh, our, our next uh, uh business person in October was Karina Gertz. And she did a kind of different listening. She listened to her body as well, mm. what her body needed. Um, briefly, Karina um, worked with, uh, if, uh, and correct me if I'm incorrect here, uh, worked with business people from uh, the Middle East. And she was used to being available 24 seven. Um, right. COVID came along and overnight, like so many businesses, her business stopped. and uh i written here it was a real shock to her system uh, because she lost her business due to covid isla would you like to develop that yeah and it wasn't just the loss of her business it was the loss of her whole way of operating she had this hugely high pressured job she runs starcat uh which provides training, coaching and sales representation for companies and professionals working in and with the Middle East. And she describes how her phone was on 24-7, how she always had to be in a Wi-Fi area or connected to the internet because her clients would expect the very best. Uh, if they were traveling to London, they would want hotels and meeting rooms and and that was her job to deliver that and provide that. And that's she enjoyed doing that. She, she talks about relishing that challenge. But she started to realize as well when, when COVID hit and all of that went away, just how demanding that was on her sort of physical and her mental health. She talks about going on a plane journey and a client needed her support whilst she was on the plane journey. And she had a 20 minute window where she was allowed to use the Wi-Fi to try and fix that. So she talks about not even being able to 
you know, have a plane journey in in peace, if you like, you know, without that without that demand of the job. So I think that's why I, I'm saying it wasn't just the loss of her job. It was a loss of her sort of mental approach, that 100% focus on her business. Mm. Yeah, yes, I agree. And then, of course, uh, what did she do, Lisa? She decided <laughs> to go and water. Well, she, yeah, it was another shock to her system, but uh, <laughs> in, in the shape of uh, extreme temperatures. She, yeah, she took to... Um, cold water swimming so or a cold water immersion I think they called it or she's called it to start with but she was fortunate enough to live near a pool a cold Hampstead, water pool was it, was it not Hampstead yes Common? yeah mm. Hampstead ladies pool and she started going along and she started you you queue up she explained it you queue up so there's no chance because I, I immediately imagined myself doing that and I would go in with like my big toe, first of all, and then I'd pull it out, you know, and it would take me probably about half an hour to, to decide that I wasn't going to do it, <laughs> probably. But so you had visions of all these ladies going, oh, with a big toe, you know, oh, oh, no, it's too cold. But no, you just got in. But, and this, this isn't a swimming pool. I think it's good to just remind everybody. This is a freshwater lake. Yes. Yeah. Yes. With, yes, it is. With ducks. Yes, and trees and Trudels. herons. Yeah, and herons. That's it. Yeah. I was just going to say that this shock to the system from a, from a cold water perspective, again, out the, the outcome from this was that um, it, sharp, it's, it sharpened her approach and it's given her great clarity when, when making decisions. And I was yeah. just going to ask either of you whether have you had the courage to even stand under a cold shower? I've got to 20 seconds in the morning and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think that they they call me out, don't they, on this episode because I've got there's a cold water um a place where you can do cold water uh, swimming on the way to the school on the, on the school run and no I haven't I haven't done that I, I don't think I could do that although as a child I used to swim in the sea a lot. I was lucky we spent a lot of time by the sea. Well, now I don't think I could. Lisa? I've, I I had the experience of cold showers in China when we were out in the country in China. And so there wasn't any choice. And <laughs> it wasn't pleasant, but we did it. We had to because we wanted to be washed. We were, yeah, we were hot and sweaty. And, you know, at the end of the day, we needed to 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 be clean again and refreshed. So it was, it was blooming hard. And to, I, I would put just one arm in and a leg. Um, <laughs> but the problem was, you know, when you had to get your whole body and uh, so it was, a, you know, put my arm in, get used to it, put my leg in, try and get used to it. But then trying to get your head under to shampoo and condition your hair <laughs> wasn't pleasant. I have to no. say. <laughs> I can't imagine it was actually, but I do admire Karina because I believe that she's she's doing this all year, all year round now, isn't she? And she wears she in the is. winter. Yeah. She wears gloves and socks. Yep. And a, and, yep. A, and a beanie hat. And I mean, she says, doesn't she? The colder the better. Yeah. Um, for her. In fact, she says she t- she talks about the fear factor, and she's you know she says if you're afraid of something and something scares you, you need to push through the fear. 
And you need to do that because that's the only way you're going to know if you're going to be able to come out of the other side. And I think this is a theme that has come through from some of the other stories we've heard this year. She said, if it it scares you, do it. Yeah. And then she says, if I can do this, what else can I do? And I think that's given her the motivation to be stronger with her boundaries at work. She's taken on, I think, a member of staff to help her. Because when I asked her, was she going to rebuild her business in the way that she had before, i.e. that intense pressure, that constantly being on the phone, she she did say that she's going to build her business a little differently. Mm. Yeah, she definitely had that sort of mental clarity, hadn't she, yeah. through doing all of that. And, and I mean, it's it's really interesting, definitely worth a listen, I think, just to, if you're interested in um, cold water swimming, because there are do's and don'ts. Obviously, we don't uh, want anyone to go and throw themselves into some very cold, deep water because it is a shock to the system and that has to be controlled um and the benefits are 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 huge so we've heard um but <laughs> it it has to yeah i can't claim that to to understand that but they are huge and it's there's a, a lot on it if you google but um i think that definitely make sure that you do it correctly if you're going to give it a go and starting I, off in your I home shell is is a is a good way, a safe yeah. way of doing it. A safe way. And yeah. I think another ex- wonderful example of as you quite as you alliterated to it, Isla, feel the fear and do it. Yeah, just yeah. do it. So that brings us on to um, our November guest, uh, Paul Cheese. Now, if you're living in Kent, did you know the sound of Kent is D major? Now, be honest, you probably didn't because I know a lot of people know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Paul Cheese, you know, is a great friend of of the the Business Diaries podcast. He's produced a wonderful jingle and uh, he helps in editing. And I know Lisa and I are extremely grateful to him. I met Paul once. I'd listened to him a number of times uh, on on various shows on the Beeb. And I met him once. It was actually was the very last live Business Diaries up at Chatham. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was, I believe, from memory, the last speaker. And he was uh, very interesting. And Paul, for those of you who don't know, is a musician. And Paul looks at life very differently because he looks at, at life through sound. Um, and, and when he's going along, it's something that I'm sure most of us would admit that we do not have an awareness of the sounds around us. Okay, we might hear a loud car uh, or a or we might be aware of when there's a firework display. But Paul's shown us the different sounds that are around us in everyday life. And, and he's used, just used his, his incredible uh, music talent to develop a career from a sound with a difference. And on his podcast, he, he shared the example of where he went, he cycled all the way around uh, the UK and I believe Northern Ireland from memory. Lisa, how, how readily do you think uh, we accept what we perceive as the norm uh, when in, in actual fact there are always additional levels to be experienced if we come become more aware and something we were talking about earlier on living in the moment yeah he, he really does live in the moment that man honestly he's a he he is our super sound hero definitely we are grateful to him um but yeah he's his week is just like a just a a, a a lot of mini adventures or his life is a lot of mini adventures he he's got a fantastic attitude to life and totally totally fascinated by sound 
And I, I don't think, I mean, it's something that many of us just can't resonate with because we've, I suppose we've not got that interest, but there's, there's something that sparked his interest as an early age. And he, uh, but you, he also gives in that podcast, he gives us a whole, uh, he includes the sounds that he's recorded going around the British Isles. And it's amazing how he turns it into music. So you'll hear, you know, a nice green van, you'll hear strimmers, and they come from all different different parts of the country. And he just puts them together because they, they well, right, that's a, that's a D major and that's a, you know, a C sharp. And I'm going to take those and put those together. And then we've got the beat of this. And, you know, I've never heard so much about rhythms and beats and oh my goodness it was it's amazing it's you it's something that you've got to listen to (laughs) because I can't describe it I would agree Isla what did you take from listening to Paul yeah I mean it's a it's it's a fascinating episode and I think what I took from it is how Paul plans his life you know, the project management. He talks about a series of happy accidents. He talks about having a plan up to a point. You know, Lisa mentioned he cycles around the UK. So you, most of the time you'll, you won't see Paul without his, his bicycle. Um, and so he talks and he's got 45 kilos of recording equipment, bananas and haribos in two panniers on the, on the back of his bike. And that's how he does all of these, these recordings. And he says that he plans... His journey's up to a point. He's got his end destination in mind, but there's always room for opportunities along the journey. He's always willing to stop, like, you know, the ice cream van. He said, you know, that was a happy accident. He met this ice um, this uh, ice cream salesman and he said he'd been playing the same tune for, you know, for five oh, years. Yeah. So, yeah. and girders being dropped and a, and a skip in a car park. And and I think that it's, it's I want to say ear-opening, it is ear opening, but it's <laughs> eye opening in the sense that, Chris, as you said, we might ask our sort of day to day consciousness might be interrupted by the sound of a helicopter going overhead or, you know, a, a, a siren or a firework or something. But when you almost listen to the world through Chris's ears, there's layer upon Paul's layer ears. of sound. That's and, it. Paul's ears. You, know, you don't want to listen to it through my Paul's ears. ears. Paul's <laughs> ears, of course. Um, you know, and he talks about as a child, he, he talks about the gurgling of the water rushing over the rocks in hearing of the hearing the rhythm of the rocks bashing against each other you know as as a child yeah um, where most of yeah. us were building rock dams to see how high we could build them before the water would push through the rocks where he's listening to the sounds all the time it's fascinating it, i agree I, actually i'll have you know that uh, uh where i used to live um our oven was one of the sounds that was included on one of his uh, tracks oh, wow. yeah, I thought you'd just like to know that <laughs> you've got a famous oven yeah it's got a fame well we don't have that oven any longer but it, yes it, it did become famous but it was um, famous for a while <laughs> uh, exactly and I also like the fact that Paul said that um well, there's a point you you raised uh, Isla about he's riding around with 45 kilos of kit mm. on the back he doesn't have anybody else and that if he hasn't used a piece of kit for six months he puts it on eBay and sells it so it gets recycled. Yes. Yes. And, that, you know, he he's conscious of constantly, he's consciously thinking about the next project. So, you know, he has a, he has a paid job as well as many jobs that he does. You know, he's a guitar teacher and, and lots of other jobs that he does. But when he's sort of saving up funds for his projects, 
um, because he doesn't, he, most of his projects are self-funded. I think for the big record, he had some funding from the Arts Council. But that's that's how he does that. He, you know, he's like, right, I want to do this project. How am I going to fund it? And, you know, when we think of some of the other stories, you know, it was Phil, you know, what can I do that's going to help me achieve X, Y, Z. So Paul is very much of the same mindset. What do I need to do to raise the funds so that I can go and do this next this next project or go off on my next adventure? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, yes, I, a total admiration for him. And I think, to finish on that, just uh, a wonderful example of someone who has turned uh, awareness and living in the moment uh, to a business. Yeah. And, and and a successful business at that. Yeah. yeah, he's passionate about it and, and he does what he loves doing. He makes money by doing what he loves doing. And you know, he's he brings about when you listen to that, the thing that comes out of it for me is that he's so happy yeah. with life. Yeah. He's free. He has a freedom that, you know, and and, and I feel that you couldn't ever hold him back you know he's he'll be out on an adventure tomorrow you couldn't say oh it's raining and you can't go out or it's snowing he would be out some way you know he's free to explore the world have one massive adventure and see what he can find you can hear him smiling yeah you hear him smiling when he's talking about the sounds it's his enthusiasm yeah it's amazing he's he's he (laughs) is is a diamond I'm, I'm very pleased to know him. Mm, me too. I, I think that's a great place to end on a diamond. I really, I really do. And, and um, I'm sure you'll agree that uh, today has been extremely interesting. And looking back at all of the stories, <clears throat> in many cases, it's out of adversity has come opportunity in the main. Um, we started with Rosemary, Hasmita and Nick. And, and, and to me, these stories all mention opportunities. Uh, Rosemary found an opportunity within her family's history or from her family's history. Hasmita's journey taught her that opportunities are for the taking. And Nick's mantra, you never know, encouraged him to seek opportunities at, uh, uh, at every corner. Mm. And then we had the next group, which was Neil, Adele, Phil and Hazel. And in my opinion, all have experienced life and or career changes. Uh, Exceptional experiences caused them to reach a point where enough was enough. Stress, illness, a stammer in Phil's case, and lack of self-confidence all led to change. And then the final group that, you know, we've just been discussing, Benita, uh, Chris, me, uh, Karina and Paul, all think, live and do business differently. Um, from actively changing, making, accepting, uh, from actually changing, making decisions, accepting different cultures and adapting to other ways of doing business, using the benefits of cold water swimming in business, and Paul Cheese's approach of doing what he loves first and finding a way to earn a living from it. I think we can confidently say that these stories deserve the respect that they have been given. And I hope that everybody who listens to, to this podcast going forward will, will, will agree that, uh, that we've done them justice in this review today. Lisa, um, do you have any points that you would like to, any comments that you would like to make on, on uh, any one individual, any p- specific uh, guest today? I, I think that 
all of them, every time, the, the whole thing about the business diaries for me is that we get taken on this journey, yes, I have used that word, journey, where we meet people who are perhaps very like us or perhaps extremely unlike us. And it's just, it's comforting to know when you meet people that do things the same way as you because you feel validated. You think, well, that's okay. I I do it that way too. That's good. I'm doing it right. Um, But then when you meet someone that does things in a completely different way, it really opens your eyes and teaches you that there is another way to do things. And it's, you know, that way wasn't necessarily right. That way is not necessarily wrong. It's just a whole learning curve, listening to all these stories. And I just have admiration for all the people that have got up and, and got on with life, despite some, you know, stepping over dead bodies, um, you know, starting life all over again, having a you know dreadful start in life having a stammer all all these different things they've just bounced back they've learned with a way to deal with it um and as has says no problem lasts forever you just get on and deal with it so you know I have huge huge admiration for all of these storytellers and not only with them sharing the story but actually the time they've taken to try and craft that story so that it's interesting for us so yeah all of them I, I can't bring any one person out because they're all amazing in their own in their own way Hila, what are your thoughts I think my thoughts go back to the value of storytelling in business and how important it is that we do share our story that it's okay to share our personal story authentically of course but the difference that that makes I feel that we know the people that we've interviewed this year right you know their stories have resonated different parts of their stories resonate with different people and and with me on different levels but I feel for every single one of them that we know them better as a result of hearing their story we understand some of the things that have happened to them that has framed their values, shaped their attitudes and and given them a framework for making decisions that we can better understand why they think in that way or why they act in that particular way. And I think that that is only a good thing as we build business and we start to think about the business of the future and the way that we want to work with each other in the future. You know, we are in such a period of change at the moment that we are all humans and I think that you know we all talk to one another as humans but sometimes we do forget that yes I agree with you I think extremely valid points that you you both raise um and I suppose that brings us to the end of of this uh, podcast um from my from my personal perspective I'd like to say a big thank you um to all the guests that, that that have been uh have given the time to share their stories because you made a very valid point, Isla, about the importance of storytelling. Um, but also to thank you both, because Lisa, first of all, you, you came up with this idea many years ago and it was very different. Um, you recognise the importance of storytelling and you, you have continued to do this uh, for no uh, personal reward yourself. And then subsequently, Isla, 
you you took over running the, the Tunbridge Wells event as well, and now you have both continued to uh, provide a digital option where people can come along and, and listen to the stories. Uh, and I thank you both for, for spending the time to, to do this, to give, to share, a sharing economy, to, <laughs> to give the opportunity to other people to share, including myself, their stories in the hope that it will strike a chord, it will motivate someone, it will inspire someone, it may encourage them to ask for help, and they may real and they may ask their question, uh, may ask the question that Nick uh, posed was, how ver- how risk averse are you really? Both Isla and I are super grateful to you, Chris, for coming in today to help us put together this review. We really did feel that the, the storytellers needed a, a little revisit and um, and a, an extra spot of thanks, which you've done. And Isla and I are both thankful to them too. So thanks, Chris, for guiding us through all these fabulous stories. It's been really enjoyable. Thanks to you, the listener. We look forward to sharing more stories with you this year. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this edition of The Business Diaries. We would love to hear your feedback. Please find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries. 